This morning there are two readings. The first is taken from Jeremiah chapter 9, beginning at verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the riches, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. The second reading is from John chapter 14, beginning at verse 25. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live, even though he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she answered. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, and a very warm welcome to St. Michael's. It's lovely to see you here. If we haven't yet met, my name is Rupert, Rupert Charkham. I'm the vicar of St. Michael's. And as I welcome you, I welcome anyone who's watching online We're so pleased that you are. Let's pray that the Lord would speak to every one of us. Would you join me in prayer? Almighty God, as we gather this morning, our hearts are full of both sorrow and gratitude. Sorrow at the loss of our Queen and gratitude for the life she lived. And we pray that you would speak to us now as we seek your face. In Jesus' name, amen. Mountains of newsprint, multiple tributes from all around the world, wall-to-wall documentaries, hours of TV. What a wonderful life. What a wonderful life scrutinized from every possible angle. In Elizabeth II, we had a monarch who was respected all around the globe. And today, rightly, we celebrate this absolutely wonderful life. Being a chaplain to Her Majesty has been for me a huge, huge honor. And it did, it did involve having tea with the Queen and cucumber sandwiches at the same time of a couple of thousand dollars. And so let me say that what I'm sharing this morning does not come from spending time with the Queen personally. But here's the thing. You didn't need to have a private conversation with Her Majesty the Queen to know about her faith in Jesus because she told the whole world about her faith and she lived out before the eyes of a world her faith. Now there are so many ways in which the life of the Queen could never be the life that we lead. For example, 
And I got most of these facts from the website of the royal family on a page that they produce specially for her Platinum Jubilee. For example, I don't suppose any of us, or maybe I should say many of us, will shake the hands of over three million people during our lifetime, as the Queen is estimated to have done. I don't suppose that many of us, any of us, will shake the hands of the President of the United States, but she shook hands with 14 Presidents of the United States, every single one, in fact, during her reign, apart from President Johnson. Now, you may be given many gifts in your life, but I doubt you'll be given as many as the Queen was, and some of them were very exotic indeed. Understanding her love of animals, she was given quite a number of animals, and many of them ended up in zoos. She was given some jaguars, some sloths from Brazil, an elephant from Cameroon, and two black beavers from Canada. Well, I don't suppose that's going to happen to many of us. She sat for over 200 portraits, and it seems unlikely that for you and me, people will walk out of a room backwards so they don't turn their backs on you or me, let alone not speak to you or me until they're spoken to. But though these things might not be expected in your life and my life, everything I want to talk about this morning is within reach of you and me. When people mull over the Queen's life, there is a question that everyone is asking. What lies at the heart of this remarkable life? How do we account for it? And you could consult any biography and you could read any obituary and not one of them will say what accounts for Her Majesty's life were her riches or her worldly contacts or the land she owned. Everyone attributes that right at the heart of her life was her faith. The Times put it in one crunchy sentence. Much of the Queen's stamina and moral authority came from her faith. And so it won't surprise you that I'm going to share with you a number of ways that her faith impacted her life and through her our lives. And my hope is that as I run through these things, you will realize, as I've realized, every single one can be yours too. And I begin with this. Her most valuable possession is something we can all have, the scriptures. The scriptures. You may know that during the coronation of Her Majesty, this sentence was read to her. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing this world offers, here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. Now, this is an incredible thing to say, but all the more incredible given the context in which it's said. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation in which you have to buy a friend a birthday present. And you think of your friend, and you think, well, they've already got everything they could possibly want in life. And what they haven't already got in the way of material possessions around them, 
they can afford to buy in triple. What do I give them? Well, I think that quite well describes the situation that the Queen was in when this sentence was said to her. It was at her coronation, and she'd literally just been crowned Queen. On her head were the crown jewels. In one hand, she has an orb, and in another hand, she has a scepter. She's just had allegiance sworn to her from all the peers of her realm, and people of her realms have paid homage to her. She is being watched by the largest TV audience ever assembled at that time in history. The modern equivalent of that would be like saying that she has more social media likes than TikTok, Instagram, and anything else you can think of put together. And in the middle of all this, along comes a funny-looking man carrying a cushion. And on that cushion is a book. And he spoke those words. It's as if he's saying, don't let your head be turned by any of that stuff. This book is the most valuable thing that the world affords and offers. Because in this book is wisdom. In this book are the lively oracles of God, which can speak directly into your life and lead you into the presence of the King of Kings. Let God speak to you through this book. And I would say that she lived life by the book, the holy book, royal scripture. Now, I'm anticipating that there will be some people coming to worship today who are not usual worshippers and to whom church is a foreign space and for whom maybe this book is an unread book. And I want to give you just one tip before I move on to my next point. Unlike almost every other book in the world, when you pick up the book of the Bible, my advice to you is don't start at the beginning. Why? Because it's actually a collection of 66 different books. And it's much easier to start in what's called the New Testament. And I would say get a modern translation and just read for yourself one of the lives of Jesus, one of the first four books in the New Testament. And see if through that book God can't lead you into the presence of Jesus Christ. My life was totally turned around through reading this book. I read John's Gospel. In every one of her Christmas broadcasts, the Queen quotes from this book. Most often, actually, the parable of the Good Samaritan. She valued most what was truly the most valuable thing in the world, the book that leads you into the company of God. Well, the second thing I noticed when thinking about Her Majesty, and actually it's been very rewarding and quite easy in, in a way, not to say it hasn't been laborious, but it has been quite easy to put together a talk that connects the Christian faith with Her Majesty just by scanning and reading her Christmas broadcasts. And what becomes really clear is she made a decision that her faith would be absolutely central to her life. Not on the periphery, but absolutely, crucially 
central, and it was a constant. In 2002, she said this, I know just how much I rely on my faith to guide me through the good times and the bad. Each day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try and do what is right, to take the long view, to give my best in all that the day brings, and to put my trust in God. And in 2014, she sharpened that even more and said, for me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I, like so many of you, have drawn great comfort in difficult times from Christ's words and example. And she made it a lifetime's habit daily to spend time alone in the presence of God, what we call prayer. It was part of the routine of her life, though it was never a routine time because prayer never is. She said, in my first Christmas broadcast in 1952, I asked the people to pray for me as I prepared to dedicate myself to their service at my coronation. I have been and remain very grateful to you for your prayers and to God for his steadfast love. I have indeed seen his faithfulness. And it's a good reminder to us that we have an obligation not to hide our faith in Jesus and not to let the light go out, but to make it possible to other people to make the connection through our witness, both verbally and in how we live. Those facts I read out about the Queen, as I say, were culled from her web pages, 70 facts to mark the Queen's platinum jubilee. One of those facts she chose to have on her website Fact number 13 of 70 was this. Her Majesty is a committed Christian and churchgoer and has often spoken of her faith in her speeches and broadcasts. Quote, for me, the life of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, whose birth we celebrate today, is an inspiration and an anchor in my life. Some uh, months ago now, I was in hospital recovering from covid and uh, I was in a recovery ward, and our beds were socially distanced. So they were you know, quite, a, quite a way apart from one another. And at the beginning of each, each day, I don't know whether it was a nurse or a, a, someone anyway, stood at the bottom of our bed and offered us breakfast. And the only thing they knew about us, because presumably it was posted on the head of our bed, was our name. And so... They stood at the end of my bed and they said, Rupert, would you like porridge or cornflakes for breakfast? And I told them porridge, which actually was a great mistake. Cornflakes would have been much better. And then they stood at the end of the bed of the person next door and said, blessings, would you like porridge or cornflakes? So we all knew each other's name. We had all day lying there in bed. And um, so curiosity got the better of me. And I, you no good whispering to the person next door, so I had to kind of, raise my voice and say, blessings, are you a Christian? And there was a long pause, and it got longer and longer, and then he came up with this memorable reply, sometimes. <laughs> well, friends, it doesn't work. You, you can't be a Christian sometimes, though we all know what he meant. 
the queen wasn't a Christian sometimes. She was a follower of Christ consistently, always. That's the way you follow Jesus Christ. And then I noticed, thirdly, that she not only talked the talk, but she did walk the walk. At the heart of her leadership was service. It's one of those standout, consistent, enduring characteristics of the Queen's reign that her emphasis was always on service. And as I even say that, and as I read about it and pondered it and thought about it, I, I realised that just the word service, it, it sounds like a chord that you just never hear in our day and age. It's sort of gotten written into it, even as you hear the word service, old-fashioned, along with words like duty and names like Gladys, <laughs> if I haven't offended anyone. The whole idea of serving others seems incredibly antiquated. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is that we live in a selfie generation. And I think the only time I ever really hear the word service is when it's prefaced by the word self, self-service. The company that decided to call various of its products iPhone, iPad, etc., were onto something, tapping into something. But if you look at the life of Jesus, this wasn't ever going to be part of his life or lifestyle. And I sometimes think that one of the things Jesus did was to obliterate the selfie. He's often called the servant king. And anyone who enrolls to be a follower of his has to enroll in a life of service. And this was a template that the queen decided would be her template for living. And I'm sure if you've turned the TV on at all in the last week, you will have been able to see the footage of her making her vow aged 21 in 1947, her pledge to serve. But I think it's even more remarkable that in 1977, by which time the coinage of servitude and service had gone out, really, she still speaks very boldly about that pledge. And knowing exactly what she's saying, this is what she said. When I was 21, I pledged my life to the service of our people, and I asked for God's help to make good that vow. Although that vow was made in my salad days when I was green in judgment, I don't regret or retract one word of it. And in other messages, she says pretty much the same thing in 2008. She said, Jesus makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than in being served. And in 2012, she said, this is the time of year when we remember that God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. He restored love and service to the center of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. And in saying that, she's directly quoting from Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 10. 
And if you dig just a little, just a little, into the Queen's diary, into the court circular pages of the last years, you find indelibly written a life of service. When you just use your imagination a tiny bit and you think of 21,000 engagements, when you think of visiting more than 100 countries, when you think of entertaining over 1.5 million people in your back garden with garden parties, don't you think that's a life of service? Haven't there been times in your life when you've had people coming around for supper and you thought, do we have to? Haven't there been times when, you know, just occasionally, you've looked at your diary and thought, oh, I'd rather have the night in. And that's your friends that were coming round. But to do that day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out, with a gracious face and a loving smile and a warmth, that's a life of service, isn't it? The longest overseas tour that the Queen undertook began in Bermuda in November 1953 and ended in Gibraltar in May 1954. She was away 168 days and visited 13 different countries. She conducted over 650 investitures. But what encapsulates it for us all, of course, is that picture that was taken so recently, just two days before she died, where she mustered the strength and at great personal cost, no doubt, decided to serve, to see out the old Prime Minister and see in the new. Service at a great price. But as you reflect on it, realise as I reflect, and that you don't just wake up one day and become like this. It takes a huge determined effort to live life like that. And why she made the effort and how she was able to make the effort is her conviction that this was Jesus' way of doing life and reigning. The servant king was her way of life as a servant queen, and she was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Another way that she walked the walk was she decided to make forgiveness central to her life because Jesus made it central to his life. In 2014, she said, a role model of reconciliation and forgiveness, he stretched out his hands in love, accepting and healing. Christ's example has taught me to seek and respect and value all people of whatever faith and none. She said in 2011, forgiveness lies at the heart of a Christian faith. It can heal broken families, it can restore friendships, and it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. In fact, 47 of her Christmas Day messages mention peace or reconciliation. And in 1976, she said, the gift I would most value next year is that reconciliation should be found wherever it's needed a reconciliation which would bring peace and security to families and neighbourhoods at present suffering and torn apart. Remember that good spreads outwards and every little thing does help. 
Mighty things from small beginnings grow, as indeed they grew from the small child of Bethlehem. And what she asked of others, she did herself. I came across an example of this, quoted by uh, the late chief rabbi, Jonathan Sachs. He told uh, an anecdote, true anecdote. He, He wrote, royalty arrives on time and leaves on time. And so it is with Her Majesty the Queen, with one memorable exception. And he said, on on the 27th of January, 2005, the 60th anniversary of the liberation of Auschwitz, and the place is St. James's Palace, and the Queen is meeting a group, a large group of Holocaust survivors. And when the time came for her to leave, she stayed, and stayed, and stayed. One of her attenders said he never knew, he had never known how to stay so long after her scheduled departure time. She gave each survivor her focused, unhurried attention. She stood with each until they'd finished telling their personal story. It was an act of kindness that almost had me in tears. It brought a kind of blessed closure into deeply lacerated lives. And one example that stands out in my mind, whenever I think about it, as totally incredible and remarkable and courageous, was in 2011. It was 32 years after the IRA had blown up the boat, which effectively they murdered her uncle, the Earl of Mountbatten. And she, the Queen, chose to go to Northern Ireland. She recognised the mistakes made by the British in their rule of Ireland, but also the hurts she and her family had suffered. And she went on to shake the hands of the former IRA leader, Martin McGuinness, the following year in a symbol of reconciliation between nationalists and unionists. Incredible courage. She also had a life filled with hope. And that hope was based on the resurrection. She had no fear of death. Many people remarked how extraordinary it was that when someone in a crowd took a pot shot at her using a gun and fired what turned out to be five blanks during a trooping of the colour, she didn't bat an eyelid and continued uh, with the ceremony. She knew that she could be a target of assassination any day, but death had no hold on her in the sense of putting fear on her. We're coming to learn that the Queen had a wry and quick wit. And there's a story, and you know it's a true story because you can actually watch a video on YouTube of this happening. In January 2016, when she was to meet, yet again, Martin McGuinness. And this time, Martin McGuinness opened the conversation by saying, how are you? And she replied, well, I'm still alive anyway, which was pretty sharp. And I think the thing is, she is still alive anyway. Not in some kind of make-believe sort of way 
airy-fairy wishful thinking that goes into denial that she has died. She has died. But Jesus Christ has the resurrection as a source of our hope in our lives. This is what the Queen said. Jesus' ministry only lasted a few days and he himself never wrote anything down. In his early 30s, he was arrested, tortured and crucified with two criminals. His death might have been the end of a story. But then came the resurrection and with it the foundation of a Christian faith. What do I want to say in summary of all of this? I want to say what the Queen actually says, and I'll read to you in a moment. Don't look upon this faith as something that the Queen owned and privatised or unique to her. Yes, she was a unique person and she reigned uniquely, but the faith at the centre of her life can be yours because the person at the centre of her faith can be yours, Jesus Christ. Sometimes listening to those Christmas addresses, in fact, often, I thought, gosh, she's made a better fist of this than I did this morning. I thought she'd have made a marvellous Archbishop of Canterbury or evangelist. Sometimes she's incredibly direct, and I want to read you one of the things that she said, and you just sense it comes from her heart, and it is a plea for people not just to hear her talking about Jesus, but to make this Jesus real for them. This is what she said. Although we're capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we need, we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. In the last verse of this beautiful carol, O little town of Bethlehem, there's a prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. It's my prayer that on this Christmas day, we might all find room in our lives for the message of the angels and for the love of God through Christ our Lord. And I read on a, a website last night this perceptive comment. For 70 years, we have sung, God save the Queen. Yet as some Christian commentators have pointed out, God did save the Queen many, many years ago when she professed her faith in Christ. She trusted in the Lord Jesus as both her saviour and her king. And so it is that now, with wonderful Christian hope, we trust that she will be welcomed into God's presence with the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Almighty God, as we reflect, we see more and more clearly that at the heart of the Queen's life was the King of Kings. And we thank you for your influence and reign over her as she reigned over us. Father God, we thank you that you are the sovereign Lord. You are the lamb upon the throne. You are reliable and rock-like. 
And we pray for King Charles as he learns what it is to be the king of this country and lives it out before us. We pray, Lord, that you would lead him into your presence day by day and you would strengthen him by the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would surround him with wise people and give him courage to speak of you and live for you. And we pray for us that we too might exude and show others the light and love of Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen.